And as Steve said, I just want to say thank you too for your continued support through Genesis so that we can be a blessing to partners like the Cooper House. They're a great example of what it means to be the hands and the feet of Jesus uh, in a community like ours. But I also know that they want to and hope to be uh, the voice uh, of Jesus in our community as well. And so they are ready and prepared to share the good news of Jesus with others as they have those opportunities. And that's something we're going to see in Acts chapter 3 this morning. If you'll turn there with me in your Bible, or if you've got a, uh, a Bible app on your smartphone, you might go there with us. Today we're going to meet a man who has been crippled since birth, and as we're going to see in just a moment, God's going to work in a powerful way through Peter and John and bring physical healing into this man's life. But what the man doesn't realize is that he is going to get so much more than physical healing something more and greater that is going to impact him and others for all eternity. Let me pray for us as we begin today. Father in heaven, thanks for the opportunity to come together with our church family right here in this room. And uh, for those that are here visiting, maybe here for the very first time today, Lord, uh, we just love the opportunity to worship together, to share with one another, and to look at your word today. And we are confident that you are here in this place. And I am asking, we're asking, Lord, that you would open up our minds and our hearts to hear what it is that you might want to say and speak to each of us today. You know every life and every story here. You know all of the circumstances and you know exactly what we need. And so give us ears to listen today. Uh, Give us a heart to receive and to understand what it is that you might be wanting to say and then the obedience to follow through with action. Guide me in all of my words, Lord. Use your word in a powerful way for each of us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we have started this series through the book of Acts, a series that we're calling Sent, and we're going to spend a number of weeks this year working through the 28 chapters uh, of this history book that we know as Acts, Acts chapter 3 today. Some of you have read that coming in today. You're going to talk about it in your groups or maybe read and study it this week. But I want you to imagine for a moment you're disabled trying to survive in ancient Israel, which means no job, uh, no wheelchairs, no specific building accommodations to make getting around easier, no government assistance at all. Some of you live with physical challenges of your own. You've got a disability and you can't imagine trying to survive in the first century because 2023 is hard enough. Well, in Acts 3, we meet this man who had only ever known pain and things like limitations. Uh, Over in Acts chapter 4, Acts 4.22 tells us that he has been this way for more than 40 years, which means he knows nothing else. And because he's been this way from birth, it's safe to assume that his day begins much the same way as every day, that he was completely dependent on others for help, requiring the the help and assistance of people like family and friends to help him get ready each day to go. And at some point in the morning, friends or family would have carried him to the entrance of the temple to leave him there to beg for the day. That was his job. That was his identity. Now, why the temple? Well, it's a busy place place with a lot of people coming all day long, and you wouldn't dare find him any closer than the gate to the temple either. Why? Because of his physical condition. He was considered by the public to be flawed, not fit or suitable for the house of God, and so the entrance to the temple was as close as he could get. Imagine, what a discouraging life. What a a lonely, 
desperate life to live, the frustration, but this is his life, this is his routine for 40 years, but all of that's about to change. As we pick it up in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, I'm going to read the 11 verses that we're going to look at today, and then we'll just kind of work through each of them with the time that we have this morning. Verse 1, we read, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple called Beautiful, where he was put every day to bed from those uh, going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, uh, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colony. Last week, we looked at some of the benefits of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2. We saw 3,000 people surrender their lives to the Lord and make decisions to be baptized. We also talked about what it means to live with boldness and to have the courage to share the good news of Jesus with others. Let's walk through these verses with our time together today to see what Jesus might want to teach us about things like the hurting people that you and I come into contact each and every day within our lives. Uh, let's look at what Jesus has to say about what it means to be a follower, to follow him with your life, to be sent by him for others in this world, and maybe finally how all of us, each of us, are a little bit more like the beggar or the crippled man in this story than we realize. All right, Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, again, we read, One day Peter and John, they're going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Some translations of your Bible might say the ninth hour, which is translated as 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now a lame man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now they're on their way at 3 because that's what a faithful Jew would do. They would go to the temple courts to pray at 3 in the afternoon. The text says that while they were on their way... Again, Peter and John encountered a man who had been lame from birth, and I want you to notice some of the details that the writer Luke includes here, that this man was carried there every day so that he could beg, and on this occasion, he's stationed at a place called the Beautiful Gate. Now, scholars don't know for sure where the Beautiful Gate is located uh, on the temple perimeter. Uh, here is one of those gates around the temple perimeter today. Obviously, you can see that over the years, uh, it has been closed off, but the Beautiful Gate might have looked something like this. And according to the Jewish historian Josephus, he once described the beautiful gate as being 75 feet tall and a fine Corinthian brass that it had huge double doors and was known for being more beautiful than any of the other gates around the temple. And again, we don't know for sure the precise location, but we do know that it would have been a heavily trafficked area. And for those reasons, it was an ideal place for the hurting and the sick 
to sit and beg for money. Verse 3, when he, when this man, saw Peter and John about to enter the gate, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Let's be real. We've all been confronted with situations like this in our lives. And I think we'd all agree that Peter makes a rookie mistake here because you should know better than to make eye contact with anyone who's asking for money, right? I mean, because it's, it's much easier to look away. All right, I've done it. I've been guilty of it multiple times. You know, it's, it's less awkward if you look distracted. You're better off to pull your car to the next lane as you come up to the intersection where the person is begging. Am I right? I mean, that's just, that's the wave that I've rolled. Based on Luke's description of the encounter, I'm, I'm picturing the man bracing himself for the no, or at least the potential of just being outright ignored. And think about his circumstances, like spending your whole life begging every day must have been exhausting and humiliating. But what options does he have? You quit begging and you die. You, you keep asking and at least you give yourself the chance to live. And so he asked the men for money. But part of what I think we're supposed to see in this story is that the beggar has already made up his mind what he thinks he needs. And we do that too. I mean, even right now, if you just think about some of the circumstances that you might be going through, some of the, the pain and the frustration uh, in your life, maybe you've got some relationships that aren't going well, you, maybe you've got a, a health issue of your own that you're dealing with. We've, we've all got our list of things, of solutions that we believe would make our lives better, make our lives more satisfying, make life worth it, and give it up for Peter and John. They had every reason to rush on by and to go and do what they had come to do. But there was something about this moment and there was something about this man and there was something about them now leaning into and learning to live by the Holy Spirit that brought this man to their attention on this particular day. And part of the Holy Spirit's work in them came to life when they looked the man in his eyes. And it's amazing when you think about it, what looking someone in the eyes can do to your heart because if you've ever gone on a mission trip and experienced another culture another part of the world something like nothing that you've ever experienced before if you've ever taken the time to foster a child and to hold that child in your arms if you've ever set aside an afternoon to sit and listen to a neighbor who is going through some really really difficult things you know what happens when you look someone in the eyes and how that begins to challenge your own heart I've had the privilege this year of being a participant in a program sponsored by Noblesville Schools. It's called the Miller Ambassador Program, and it's this year-long program where uh, people from the community are invited in once a month, really just to help gain a better understanding of all of the ins and outs, everything that makes up Noblesville Schools. And this past week, we were at Noblesville East Middle School, where we got to visit one of our ESL classes. It's uh, English as a Second Language, and uh, I was surprised to hear, maybe you'd be surprised to hear 
that Noblesville students represent over 60 different countries right now, speaking at least 53 different languages. That's Noblesville, Indiana. And in this one class that we went to and visited, we got to hear from nine different middle school students who represent countries like Afghanistan and Algeria and Mexico and Venezuela and Zimbabwe and Ukraine. And they shared a little bit about their lives and they talked about their struggles in getting to the United States and what life is like as a middle school student trying to get acclimated here. I will tell you that so many of us walked out of that room with huge smiles on our faces and tears streaming down our cheeks at the very same time because it's amazing what happens when you look someone in the eyes and you realize that they have a name and a story and what that can potentially do to your heart. Part of following Jesus and realizing that you are sent by him for others into this world is living with your heart open and your eyes open at the very same time, ready and asking all the time, God, how do you want to use me right now in this moment and in this individual's life? Because just like me, you've got people around you at where you work. You've got people in your school that you're spending time with. You've got people in your neighborhood, people that God has put in your life. And so part of the reason all year long is we're going through this sense series that we want to pray the everyday prayer, which is included on the uh, Bible reading plan. You can pick one up out at the Info Hub. This My Everyday Prayer just basically goes like this. Father in heaven, thank you for saving me for what you've done in my life. Now I want you to do for others what you've done for me. And so use me today to to help others know you. And so by praying this, we're just saying that we want to be better prepared each and every day. We want God to take control of our hearts, of our minds, and of our eyes for the people and opportunities that he's going to bring and put in front of us. Because as he plans to use Peter and John for this man in Acts chapter 3, you and I have no idea how he might want to use you and me and our church for others. Look at verse 5. It says again, so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And I wonder if the man was confused, like wondering, like what Peter had to give if it wasn't money. Again, this man relied on handouts. That's how he survived. But Luke tells us Peter and John didn't have the money to give, but they did have something better. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Verse 7, then taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. What in the world must have been going through this man's mind? Think about it. He's never walked, ever. Never taken a step, which means his father and mother never experienced the joy of watching him take his first steps. It's been a long, painful life, but now Peter grabs him by the hand to help him to his feet and to think the man went to the beautiful gate just like any other day, hoping to collect some money, and Peter and John are going through the power of the Holy Spirit, ready to be used by God to offer so much more. Make no mistakes. This is a miracle. 
All right, as we've seen in the Gospels, and we're going to see again in Acts, there's a miracle taking place here, and it's not based on some special powers that Peter and John have been given. No, this is from God, this is from Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. I like how Pastor Matthew Kim describes what's taking place here. He says, you know, as we study the Bible's account of miraculous healings, and so those would be the Gospels, you know, the stories of Jesus, but also here in Acts, he says, we know that when the healer speaks those precious words, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, what the recipient, like this man, receives is not just a physical healing, but oftentimes a spiritual restoration and healing, and that's what this man with profound disabilities experienced as well. He went asking for one thing, but he is receiving so much more, and I love how Luke describes the healing, verse 7. It says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And remember, as we've talked about the past couple of weeks, the writer of Luke here, the historian, is Luke. All right, and, and Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. And according to scholar G. Campbell Morgan, Luke is providing us with a medical explanation of what took place. And you can't necessarily see it in the English. It's more evident in the Greek. But here's what Morgan writes about that. He says, the words that Luke uses for feet and ankle bones aren't found anywhere else in the Bible and are used here to distinguish between different parts of the human heel. But here's the best part. The word Luke uses for became strong describes something that was out of socket suddenly coming into joint in other words Luke is giving a specific medical description of how this man was healed completely and just a moment ago the man's feet and ankles were weak and dead he was incapable of doing much of anything for himself but then this encounter with Peter and John and more importantly the Holy Spirit and not only have his legs been healed but Jesus healed his soul, and he's given him a new start. The point is that Jesus has given him new life. And little did this man realize that he needed more than money or even physical healing, that he needed Jesus, that he indeed needed a life that only Jesus could give. Whether we're ready to admit it or not, we're all like the beggar the disabled man in the story. We've all got our lists. We've all got those things that we, we pray for, right? Those things that we hope for, wish for, anything that will make life easier, potentially more satisfying. Like we're all crippled in different ways. Like we all have our struggles. We, we all have our doubts and stories, personal stories and limitations. Like even as Christ followers, we go through difficult times. And when we go through difficult times, like it's, it's hard to trust. We struggle to trust or we don't, we don't depend on the Lord like we should. And so for any of those reasons, we're all vulnerable too. Like it's so easy to get wrapped up into the lures and hooks and temptations in this world when we try and convince ourselves that if I could just get the bigger house or more toys, you know, and if we don't get them, then we'll never, I'll never be satisfied. Or we expect, you know, our husband or wife to satisfy our needs. Or unless we find love, we ask ourselves, is life really worth living? Some of us are desperate for a new job or a new promotion or a, a bigger paycheck. Others have been praying. Maybe you've been praying faithfully for, for answers, for relief, or some kind of physical healing in your life. It doesn't mean those things that we hope for. What I'm not saying is that those things that we hope for or pray for, and that none of those are wrong. Like, 
Jesus wants to have that kind of relationship with you. He wants to have an honest, personal, intimate relationship with you, one where you feel comfortable bringing all of your needs before him and your desires to him. But what I want to say is just that if we're not careful, if we don't spend time in our Bibles, if we're not getting on our knees in prayer, it's possible that like the beggar in the story, we might get so consumed by what we think we need that we'll overlook what we desperately need. And what we desperately need is more of Jesus Christ in our lives. I don't know about you, but I can be like the man in the story. I, there, there are so many days when I think I know exactly what I need and I forget that what I need more than anything else is more of Jesus Christ in my life and I need more of his leadership and I need more of his guidance and I need more trust in him. And I don't know what your story is. I don't know how you relate to anything that we're talking about, what we've been singing about here this morning. But if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the truth is that you're a lot like the beggar in the story too. And maybe for some of you today, you know, maybe you've been coming around for a while or maybe you've been thinking about things like God and faith and maybe you're beginning to realize that there is a void, there is an emptiness that, that, that you're lost too or desperate or just struggling right now knowing where to turn. And maybe part of the reason why God has you here right now, maybe part of the reason why he brought you to Genesis today is that you might discover the one thing, the one person that can make all of the difference. It's something that we call the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'd like to illustrate that for you today. And if you've been around Genesis, you've probably heard or seen us demonstrate this before. If you've ever gone to the Multiply Workshop, you've learned this. And it's just something that we call the three circles. And it's way, uh, the way, a way of telling the good news of Jesus Christ. And it just goes simply like this, that no matter who you are, no matter your story, no matter how little or how much time you've spent around church, I think we'd all agree that right now, we live in a very broken, fractured world, that things don't go the way that we hope or plan for, that there is so much mess and chaos around us today. We see that in things like war and violence and hate and things like cancer and death. There is so much mental illness right now and struggle in our communities, people struggling with identity and sexuality. Uh, this is the world that we live in, but it's not the world that God created or design, but what God did is he created a perfect world and he created it out of love. And his desire, his design is that we would live in a perfect, satisfying relationship with him. And not only would we live in peace with him, but that we would live in peace with one another, that this would be a world with no war and no chaos and no pain and no sickness and no cancer. But what happened was, is that we turned our backs on God. It's something that the Bible calls sin. It's this simple and yet very complicated world called sin. Sin is turning our backs on God. It's choosing another direction. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that every single one of us in some way, shape, or form has contributed to the situation that we find ourselves in today. Sin is the reason why we live in a broken world. And as we do life, no matter who you are, no matter your age, no matter the circumstances that you go through, we all realize that there's this brokenness and we go looking to things to fix the brokenness. 
right? We go looking to things to satisfy the situation that we're in. And so we could come up with any number of things that we go looking to satisfy us. Money is one of those, right? If I can just get a little bit more money, if I can achieve this goal, if I could get this promotion, money and the things that we possess, uh, love certainly, the relationships, the love, the sex that we go looking for and all of these different places, um, in the very worst form, you know, we, we've seen things like alcohol and drugs become addictions in people's lives. Again, today, so many are struggling with, 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 with various thoughts about life and the way that they live. And again, you can come up with any number of these things. And, and that's the broken world that so many of us are experiencing right now. But, but the good news of Jesus is this, that God wasn't satisfied to just let us waste away in the brokenness of the world. And so again, the good news of Jesus Christ is just this, John three sixteen, that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son into it. That is Jesus Christ. And Jesus came and lived a perfect life. Uh, Jesus came and lived the life uh, the, the way it was intended to be lived in perfect relationship with God. He came as a solution and as a remedy to this brokenness. And his greatest act of love was giving his life on the cross where he paid a penalty that you and I could never pay for ourselves. But he didn't stay dead because the good news of Easter and of Resurrection Sunday is that God raised him from the dead and gave him new life. And that through Jesus, we can discover new life too. And so that good news is available to us, but here's what God won't do. He's not going to force Jesus on anyone. It's a personal choice that each and every one of us gets to make, but it's not just enough to know or hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Again, it's a conscious choice that every single one of us needs to make. And so the way out of the brokenness is to what we would say, turn and trust Jesus. It's to turn and trust Jesus. Another word from the Bible is the word repent. We talked about this last week. To repent means to turn from my sin. It means to turn from the brokenness. Instead, to trust what Jesus has accomplished on my behalf and for my life. And so we turn to Jesus. We trust him. Romans 10, 9 says, If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so we turn or we repent. We trust and we believe and we receive the good news of Jesus Christ. And what Jesus gives to us is he gives us a newness. We are made new when we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. And that's the promise of Jesus Christ for those of us that have put our faith and trust in him that we are made new. And then what Jesus does is he invites us to follow him in the ways that we live in this world. We are invited to follow him. That this isn't about just holding out. That I've somehow got my ticket to heaven. But no, God has called us to a new purpose and to a new life with him. And so we believe, and we believe the story of the Bible and the good news of Jesus is that we are, as Matthew 28 and Jesus said, we are invited to go into all of the world, to the brokenness of the world, and live and show and share the love of Jesus Christ. It's why we're calling this series in Acts that we are sent by Jesus, that we are given a mission, that we are a part of his work of helping others find their way back to God, again, through the power and the love and the message and the hope of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this. Where are you in this story?
Like if you had to point to where you are in light of Jesus today. And if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, what is it that you're searching for? Where, where do you go looking for significance, for satisfaction? Whether we're ready to admit it or not, we're all beggars searching for a kind of life that can only be found in Jesus Christ because he is the only one that can truly satisfy. Uh, he has everything that we need. And the good news of Jesus Christ is that he gave his life for you and me and that through faith in him, by turning and trusting in him, we might be made new and we might follow Jesus as he wants everyone to follow him. He would love nothing more than to give new life to you today. And again, this is something, this is just a way of sharing the good news that uh, you've heard us teach before. It was created by a pastor uh, from Florida. There's more information about the three circles on our website because maybe you'd just like to know more. Maybe you'd like to learn how to share this for yourself. We've also got something fun. I saw this a little while back. Justin Tunmore found these. Uh, these are little decals that just demonstrate the three circles. I put one of these on my phone. Um, I also put one on the, my computer screen. And so when I'm out, might be just an opportunity to spark a conversation. We've got like 300 of them back at the Info Hub this morning. You're welcome to take one or a couple. Uh, it can do a couple of things for you. Number one, it can just be a way of remembering, hey, I've been sent by Jesus into this world to share the good news uh, of him with others. And so maybe you use it as a way of demonstrating or sparking a conversation. Also, at the same time, let's not overlook the fact, too, of we just need this reminder in our lives once in a while. We need to look at something like this and remember, this is what Jesus has done for me. Because Peter and John, they experienced this transformation in their lives. This formerly lame man discovered it, too. He encountered Jesus. Jesus healed his legs. But more importantly, Jesus healed his soul. And look at what happens next, verse 8. It says, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Can you imagine? witnessing something like this. For the, for the first time in this man's life, he can walk, but he's not just walking because according to Luke, he is jumping and he is praising God and apparently it caused quite a scene, verse 9, because we read, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. That's what Jesus wants to do in every single one of us, that we might live in this world but not of this world and live the kinds of lives where people will look at us and wonder what in the world has happened to them. Verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colony. And so the man, he thanked God. He praised Jesus for this new life he received. And not only did this man now have something to share, but Peter is going to see this as an opportunity, the rest of Acts chapter 3 and verse 4, to speak boldly about what has just taken place here. He wanted to be sure that everyone knew and realized that this is what Jesus came to do. And so again, his message is the rest of the chapter and Acts chapter 4, which we'll look at together next week. But let's wrap this up, but not before asking what's in this for us. Because every single one of us, we all go looking for solutions, for satisfaction, and just about anything and everything these days. The truth is that true satisfaction and new life can only be found in Jesus Christ. And so for someone here today, 
Maybe you've surrendered your life to the Lord. You've got a moment where you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and were maybe baptized. But maybe you're here today realizing that you're not following Him faithfully right now. Stop beating yourself up. He loves you. He gave His life for you and pronounced you new and has invited you to follow Him. And there is nothing more satisfying than following Jesus. And so maybe today, maybe part of this sharing, this text is just prompting you to remember, Jesus died for me. And for those reasons, Jesus, I want to live for you. Maybe part of God's work in your life today is just his encouragement and his reminder to you that you have people all around you in your life right now who are lost and they are desperately searching for an answer for the situation that they have found themselves in. Just as God sent Peter and John, he is sending you. He's got you at your work. He's got you at your school. He's got you in your home and amongst family members in your neighborhood. Maybe there's a particular person that he has put in your life. Don't be afraid to look people in the eyes. Stay available for God. You you get to be Jesus for people around you each and every day. Let others see Jesus at work in and through you. Don't live a distracted, anything less than a purposeful life. You were sent by God. Let's be people who demonstrate and live out and share the good news of Jesus with others. But finally, the last thing is that some of you are here today and you have never surrendered your life. You have never turned to trust Jesus. His invitation is for you as well. He invites you to turn to Him. He wants a relationship with you. Let today be the day you reach out to Jesus and experience His love and grace and healing and forgiveness in your life. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, as Peter stood up in front of this crowd to explain what was happening, he shared these words. He said, repent then, And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing and healing and wholeness may come from the Lord. Let's pray together. And as we pray today, I I just want to call out to someone, maybe, maybe more than one that are here today and you've never surrendered your life to the Lord, you've never turned to trust Jesus. Today can be the day. And you can do that right now where you're seated. And this can be the day that changes your life forever. There is no better decision that you can ever possibly make than to trust Jesus. It's the most important decision in the world. And if he's calling out to you, if you feel him reaching out to you today, we'll let today be the day. And again, Romans 10, 9 says, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, if we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so I want to just invite you wherever you're seated, maybe to pray a prayer like this with me. Lord Jesus, I am turning from my sin today and all the brokenness. I'm turning to you. I'm putting my faith and trust in you. I am ready to follow you. Father, I pray you do what only you can do. Help us to know your love. 
have your way in this place and in our lives this morning and through our church family. We are here for you. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for the new life and hope that we have through him that's available to us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.